You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, January 9th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi's Lieutenant Governor thinks conditions at Parchman Prison make the state vulnerable to federal lawsuits. Then a former Democratic challenger for Mississippi Secretary of State is running for U.S. Senate. Plus, business leaders want lawmakers to consider ways to address the severely low labor participation rate in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Republican Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman thinks Mississippi will eventually have to replace the state penitentiary at Parchman due to inadequate conditions. Last year, the U.S. Department of Justice released a report that said conditions at the prison are unconstitutional, and these findings were due to a failure to protect incarcerated people from violence due to understaffing, also a failure to provide adequate treatment to people with mental illness. During a Stennis Capitol press forum on Monday, Hoseman said improvements have been made to Parchman in the last few years, but he still thinks the state will eventually need to come up with an alternative to that prison. We made great strides in the last four years improving the facilities. We raised, significantly raised the compensation for the guards. Uh, they could make more off of one uh, bringing something into the prison than they were making from the state of Mississippi. So... All of those have improved. Parchman has a reputation, and it is out there. And no matter how many air conditioners we put in or anything else up there, there are parts of it that are dysfunctional. Um, You have one kind of job place where they make uniforms that I was in for other other prisoners in other county jails and city jails and whatever. That's not uh, something that you can use outside parchment. Uh, it's nice to have, but it's not, that's not training for something else. And I've talked to some people who have been there 10 or 15 years and whatnot. Um, I think eventually we're going to need to have an alternative to parchment and that it will need to meet all of the requirements for, for, uh, for a penitentiary. I'm particularly interested in making sure our compensation level is sufficient for the guards, and I'm particularly interested in um, things like ABC does, where they bring um, individuals out of the Madison County Prison and teach them to be carpenters uh, in other skill sets. So you see us encourage, continuing to encourage those. 
You're right about the fact that we dodged it. I think it was one billion, but maybe it was two billion in Alabama. That hangs over our head here. So we have um, reasons to um, move more expeditiously. And uh, I, I think we'll continue to do that. We've done on all three of those, and I'm, I'm anticipating that we'll strengthen um, the things that they found wrong with Alabama. Alabama Department of Corrections has been embroiled in litigation with the Department of Justice since 2020 over similar conditions in its prisons. Democratic Senator Juan Barnett of Heidelberg chairs the Senate Corrections Committee, and he tells our Will Stribling, continuing to invest state money into improving parchment is not sustainable. We will be working towards a resolution as to, you know, how we can improve upon our you know, our correction system, and I agree with the lieutenant governor, you know, some parts of punishment has been has been fixed, but there's a lot of it that's still dysfunctional, and and we both agree that, you know, it's, um, we're going to have to look at it real, real hard and long because it's just costing the state of Mississippi right now too much money to keep investing in something that's that, that old and, and that outdated, you know. We, we will never fix it, but we'll continue to spend money on it. I just don't think that's something that we really need to be working on this continuous spending money on something that we won't ever fix. So that means that means building a whole new prison which would be a massive a massive undertaking like how well, well, you know, there's always a possibility of of building something or doing something else. Right now, like I said, you know, we haven't gotten to that point, but we will be working towards a, a resolution as to how we can better spend the taxpayer dollars in Mississippi. And there's uh, anything you want to say on the I know that you've spoken about this and, and, and Lieutenant Governor Hostman spoke about it as well, about wanting to increase the job training programs available in, in, in state prisons. Is that is that something that you that's support, too, and that you expect that any yeah, movement? That's something that I'm definitely going to be um, rolling out as well. It has been a success, uh, and we have employers all over the state of Mississippi who are aware of that program uh, and see the advantages of it. And, and what it really does is that it gives those uh, men and women who are on their way out, it, it gives them a better chance of staying out than any program that we had before. And one is because of the fact that people are willing to give them a chance at a good job, at a good pay. Anything else that, that you'd be willing to share just about what uh, what issues that, that you're thinking about and that you think the Corrections Committee is going to be focused on over the next four months? Well, there's just a whole lot of things that we're going to be focused on. We, You know, we want to make sure that everyone involved in MDOC are aware of all of the, of all the, way of the legislation that's out there. I think that's one of the problems that we're having uh, when men and women are being released. We're going to work harder with MDOC to make sure that before these people are eligible for parole, that they have everything uh, that they need to be eligible, but not just to be eligible, but have the opportunity um, to be able to uh, be released and, and, and to stay out. So there's a lot of work that we have to do. We have made some some uh, monumental um, improvement uh, in the last four years. But again, we we, could, we still need to continue on other improvements as well. So there's a lot of things that we're going to be rolling out. That's Democrat Senator Juan Barnett of Heidelberg. He chairs the Senate Corrections Committee. Coming up, a former Democratic challenger for Mississippi Secretary of State is vying for the seat held by Republican Roger Wicker. <laughs> 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. At Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we tell local stories that matter. Educational and entertaining television, radio, news, and podcasts. We have something for everyone. So tune in and enjoy all we have to offer every day. MPB, your stories, our mission. Listen to MPB Think Radio at 10 on weekday mornings for shows about your legal rights, modern technology, car repair, and other topics of interest. Programs made by Mississippians for Mississippians on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Democrat Ty Pinkins announced his campaign for U.S. Senate yesterday, seeking to unseat Republican Mississippi U.S. Senator Roger Wicker. If both win their primary elections, the two could face off in November. Wicker is one of the most senior members of the Senate. Pinkins recently ran as a replacement candidate for Secretary of State during last year's general election after the original Democratic challenger, Shawaski Young, dropped out for health reasons. Pinkins has an extensive history as a community organizer. He's an attorney. A native of the South Delta, Pinkins was involved in the landmark lawsuit which found large farm owners throughout the Delta were using discriminatory wage practices. And he says his campaign will focus on helping all Mississippians regardless of their standing. Jobs in the economy, health care, and education are the three main pillars to my campaign platform because those are the three main issues that many Mississippians face each and every day. Over the past year, I have traveled all over our state and I've heard from too many families still struggling just to make ends meet. I have heard from too many folks who still can't afford quality health care. And I have heard from too many teachers about how our under-resourced schools are hurting our children. Our leaders know better, our kids deserve better, and we can do better. For nearly two decades, my opponent has been sitting in Washington failing our community, and that's far too long. For far too long, he has failed to bring quality jobs to our state. It is unacceptable that the unemployment rate in some Mississippi counties is nearly triple the national average. It is unacceptable that the poverty rate in some counties is as high as 39%, while the national rate is about 11%. That is a 28% gap that has existed to some degree since my opponent took office, and I want to do something about it. Pekin says he also wants to work toward building a better economy for Mississippi. We need an economy that works for all Mississippians, not just the wealthy, but middle class and low-income communities as well. For decades, our state has been near last in job creation and unemployment. According to the Department of Labor, there are over 50,000 people right here in this district still struggling to find a decent job to take care of their families. As a lawyer and community organizer, I have fought to protect Mississippi workers who were cheated out of their pay by big businesses. I went to Washington and I testified before Congress, telling them about how Mississippi workers were being shortchanged by employers. 
when Mississippi's elected senators in Washington did nothing, I came back and I sued those same businesses. We took them to court and we won. Brought back over a million dollars to Mississippi workers who've been cheated out of their pay. But that's not enough. We can do better. We can create a better economy that works for all Mississippians. We do that by making sure that the next major supply chain in America begins right here in our state. And I know we can. Many hospitals are facing a financial crisis and have staffing problems. Pinkin says he wants to see major investment in the state's health care system. Mississippi ranks 50th in health care coverage. For more than 30 years, my father drove tractors for a living. Before I went off to the military, he was one of the healthiest people I knew. Could run like the wind. Played center field on the community softball team. After my three combat tours, by the grace of God, I came home healthy, only to find that my dad was now a double amputee, nearly blind, in a wheelchair, and along with my mother suffering from kidney failure. Now he sometimes has to drive nearly three hours round trip just to get basic health care services. So it's personal to me when I hear that out of the 74 rural hospitals in our state, nearly half of them, 38, are at risk of closing. I know these hospitals are important to our communities because I was born in a rural community. Our state is last in infant mortality rate and near last in maternal mortality. This means that a woman who gives birth in Mississippi has a higher likelihood to lose her life or the life of her child in the subsequent 12 months after birth. That's why I support Medicaid expansion. It makes no sense that while everyday Mississippians are already paying into Medicaid through their taxes, other states all around us are expanding Medicaid for their citizens using Mississippi's taxpayers' dollars. Republican State Representative Dan Eubanks of DeSoto County recently announced he's running to challenge Wicker in the party's primary in March. Coming up, business leaders are calling on state lawmakers to consider ways to address the severe low participation rate in the labor market. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. There's useful information for you on MPB Think Radio's local programming this morning. Personal finance is the focus on Money Talks at 9. At 10, there are discussions of your legal rights on in legal terms. Relatively Speaking has advice on maintaining good relationships with friends and family at 11. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Unemployment is down in Mississippi, but the state has a very low labor participation rate. In November last year, the state's Department of Employment Security reported an unemployment rate of 2.6%. And that's a historic low. But the state economist warns that only 54 percent of people eligible to work in Mississippi are working and lawmakers are seeking solutions to address this issue during the legislative session. Scott Waller is president and CEO of the Mississippi Economic Council. He tells our Kobe Vance the business sector of Mississippi would like to see more investment in education to prepare the next generation of workers. You know, one of the big things that we had on Capitol Day was we did a panel. We talked to individual career coaches, the folks that are on the ground, in the schools. We had three of those from around the state come in and talk about what they were doing to help high school students find the right pathway that will lead to a successful career, and ideally a career that that keeps them right here in Mississippi. And and one of the things that this program has done is it's, it's run through the Office of Workforce Development, Accelerate Mississippi, and it allows everybody to really have an understanding of what our key priority areas are, but more importantly, it looks out for the student in terms of their interests. What are they looking at and the tools that can be used to help students identify the key things that are going to help them be successful once they leave high school. The key to what the career coaches are doing is they're identifying the student's interests, the student's aptitudes, and then trying to match that up with what job opportunity and job training exist in the state. You know, we're only in our second full year of this uh, right now. And even the first year was a little abbreviated because they didn't get started right at the start of the school year. So considering what they've been able to accomplish so far is amazing. And how that relates to us is one of our key priorities legislatively is to continue to find funding for career coaches so that every high school in the state of Mississippi that would like to have a career coach can. Uh, Right now, we're about 80% of the high schools across the state, and that's that's a big jump from the 50 we were last year, so that's great. But we need to just finish up and get the remaining funding necessary to allow for that. That way, every high school student in our state has that opportunity to learn about what they are good at, what they like to do, and then how that relates to a long-term career right here in Mississippi. Now, this addresses a similar topic to what a lot of lawmakers have been discussing over the past few weeks, and that's the state's labor participation rate. We have really low unemployment in Mississippi right now, but there's just not enough workers to go around. What do you think needs to happen either short or long term to be able to help businesses in Mississippi who are trying to find workers? Well, I think it's a combination of things because, as you say, our unemployment rate is low. So those people that are looking to be in the workforce, that are wanting to be in the workforce, there are opportunities for them to be in the workforce. The problem is we have about 40, uh, 54% of our working age population that's not working. So why, why is that? Is it they just don't want to work? They're not able to work? Uh, is, is it possibly the fact that, you know, coming out of COVID, a lot of them retired and they still fall into that age group. They're just not working anymore. We don't really know the answer to that. I think that's something we need to look at because one of the things we've been focusing our attention on at MEC is how do we create new opportunities for young professionals to have a 
a higher paying job. And that, that then goes back to the skill side of thing. How do we make sure that we're giving them the proper skills to be successful? But it goes beyond that when it comes to workforce. Our workforce training has to look at every age group and every ability level to figure out how we do it. So one of the things that's on our agenda this year as well is increasing financial aid for non-traditional students. The other thing that's part of the equation is how do we you know, make sure that those that aren't currently working know about those job opportunities and those that are working know about this, getting additional skills to allow them to move up. So all of that comes back to that, that scenario. We, we have a, a low unemployment rate, a high number of people not working. Our, our labor participation rate is only 54%. So we have to figure out a way to do that. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are on the table right now. As I mentioned, we're, we're looking at the financial aid portion of it. I know the lieutenant governor is looking at that last dollar for, for community college. So, I mean, we've got a lot of things that are on the table and how they all shape out. But I feel positive that those are the conversations that are being had. So between improving knowledge about what careers are available, improving opportunities to help with making it affordable, and then ultimately matching it up with what we are seeing as our businesses are saying, these are the types of skills we need and these are jobs we have open. Hopefully we can start to improve both those numbers get our, our workforce participation rate up higher, keep our unemployment rate low. If we do that, that's where you start to really see our economy take off. Is there anything else that y'all are talking with lawmakers about this year uh, that are some of the to address issues that you've heard from the business community throughout Mississippi? Well, in, in addition to education and workforce, I do think it's very important that we have a conversation about health care. I'm very encouraged that uh, both the Speaker White and Lieutenant Governor Hoseman have have said this is a priority for them. We very much want to be part of those conversations uh, from a business community's perspective on how we can not only provide additional access for working Mississippians, but also do it in a manner that we have a healthier workforce. You know, all the skill training is great, but if you, you got to put you got to put a healthy workforce in there as well. So all those things matter, and I think that's where we're really going to see um, kind of the tide start to turn a little bit, if you will. Is, is if we can kind of accomplish that. Look, there's a lot on the plate, uh, and, and, and honestly, as, as you probably are well aware of, and I know from my years of experience, uh, while the plate may look full, uh, don't ever rule out there's not room for something else. So I fully expect there to be something else that will land on it that will, will have some type of impact that will, the business community will be very interested in in, in making sure we're, we're having discussions uh, and conversations with our leadership on the importance of that. But I, I think those are kind of the, the areas right now where I see us really needing to focus our attention. If we can work on, you know, workforce development, work on education, work on affordability for training programs, and then finally, uh, how do we begin to address uh, making sure that, that working Mississippians are healthy? Um, that, that's, a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty daunting list, just to be honest with you. But it's a list that we're, we're ready to tackle. Scott Waller is president and CEO of the Mississippi Economic Council. Scott, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.